Hello, everybody. Welcome as, uh, as we continue on in our study of the Old Testament. Um, we just completed a five-year study in the New Testament. We did every chapter, a chapter at a time. We got to read every verse of the New Testament together over the last five years. And now we're starting a 15-year journey through the Old Testament. And uh, unless Jesus comes back or something weird happens, I believe we'll do it, just like we did with the five years on the New Testament. When I first started talking about that, the people were like, yeah, right. But uh, I'm in. I'm good. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. And I mostly, you know, I enjoy the idea of reading the entire Bible through together. It takes 20 years, <laughs> but it's a good thing to do together. So um, we're doing that as part of what we do. We read, we all read it all, uh, chapter 4 to you today in just a moment. We just started our study in the book of Genesis a few weeks ago. And remember, you know, last week um, that one of the main things that happens is, is in Genesis 3.15 is called the crimson thread of redemption. And that from that verse forward, you can see um, the, the, the plan of, of God has to redeem the world um, in Christ and all that it's going to take to make that happen. And you will see throughout the Old Testament the enemy furiously trying to stop it from happening. He doesn't, but he tries. And you will see it over and over and over and over and over again. And, uh, and so be aware of that as we read through the Old Testament together. And you'll see it as, you, uh, as it pops up. But we're into Genesis 4 now, and um, the fall, you know, as sin entered, to the, entered into the world in the last chapter is now going to increase, uh, and we're going to see more effects of sin, and what that looks like um, in this chapter and in the chapters ahead. You will see it over and over and over again. One of the big um, parts of this chapter, chapter 4, is, uh, is this is about Abel and Cain. Cain and Abel, and the, um, they bring offerings. And um, we know from Hebrews, if you remember our study in Hebrews 11, and by faith it said that, that Abel's sacrifice was better. And, um, and, and in, in Hebrews 11 we get a clue that, that um, this, this faith involved response to God's revelation. And, and certainly the principle of sacrifice had been demonstrated to Adam and Eve, you know, right after their sin when their clothing had to be made of skin. And so this, this concept would have been explained to Cain and Abel. Um, Abel brings lambs. Cain brings farm produce. And um, we're, you know, we wonder if it was even the best that he had. There was something wrong in the way that he presented his offering. That's what we know. We know that the lambs you know, were acceptable. Um, and it was an acceptable sacrifice because sacrifice, it would have been a blood sacrifice. But there's something about Cain and his attitude towards God that um, impacts the, the, the offering, whatever it might be, whether it wasn't, uh, you know, a, a lamb, but, or, or if it wasn't the best of the fruit that had been produced, maybe he just picked it up off the ground, or maybe it was just his attitude altogether. There was something um, that, that wasn't right, and when God called it on him, called him on it, um, we can see that something's not right by Cain's reaction. And... Uh, and, and God actually kind of gently urges Cain into the direction he needs to go, and Cain refuses in the process. So we'll see that. Also, before I read it, I thought I would try and um, sort of head off a couple of big questions that come up when you look at Genesis 4. One of those questions is, um, who is it that Cain's afraid of after he kills Abel? Because um, 
he, he, you know, he will, you'll see that he says, I'm, somebody's going to kill me, whoever finds me. And um, so far we've only had mentioned Adam and Eve and Cain and Abel, and Abel's now dead. Who is uh, uh, Cain uh, afraid of? And one of the, and there's another question that comes up in just a moment. But one of the things you have to realize is that the, uh, remember I told you all the events aren't chronological in the Old Testament, that's part of it. And also we're not sure how much time passed from um, the creation to the fall. And, and so uh, sometimes we read this and it looks like God created everything, took a day off, the next day Adam and Eve were in the garden, they picked up the apple and they sinned and there you go, it all fell apart. Um, um, it's doubtful that that's the occurrence of events. It's, it's very possible that um, they walked in that garden with God for a, quite a long season before they were finally tempted to do what they were told not to do and, and eat from the tree that they were not to eat from. Um, in that process of time, um, they were completely healthy in every aspect. There was no sin, no disease, no nothing. They would have been producing children, um, you know, a lot. And, and, um, and so they would have been fruitful in multiplying um, on the earth. So just because we only understand and we're only sort of mentioned Cain and Abel and then ultimately Seth as children, um, there was probably a lot of children that we're not seeing mentioned here who would have been extremely healthy they would have continued to grow, mature quickly, and they also would have begun to have um, children um, in the process. So um, it's, it's extremely possible that there was already quite a uh, population being established on the earth as all these healthy, um, sinless people, or, or you know, um, relatively, you know, before the fall, um, people were, were able to produce and, and recreate. So... Um, there would probably have been a lot of other children. And um, when we look in Genesis 5 next week, we'll see about Seth. And it doesn't say that um, Seth was Adam and Eve's first child after Abel. It just says that he was sort of a replacement for Abel. Could have been a whole bunch. And Seth actually starts kind of a new line um, in the process. So um, most likely Cain was afraid of his own brothers and sisters and nephews and nieces who were already born and very capable of seeking revenge um, over Abel. Also, we'll find out in verse 17, this is another big question, that Cain um, has a wife. And then people go, well, where in the world did she come from? And, and uh, it's probably in the same answer. Um, because we know that everybody was, came from Adam and Eve. Um, biblically, you know, that's, we understand that to be true. Um, uh, ultim- in there in the beginning... Um, as they were producing, the, the, the children would have married and had more children. And at that time, there was, no, um, there was no genetic issues. And so this intermarrying was okay for a season until, until things began to change. And ultimately, um, uh, there'll be an end to that whole process in Leviticus 18. Um, and and we'll, we'll see that that's no longer allowed um, in the process. But there in the beginning... They would, have, they would have been marrying, that's who they were. They were all um, related, and, and uh, that would have been part of the process. And so um, that's what they would have been doing as they went uh, along. And so, um, so this is how you begin to see population and all these other things that are happening. So the, the tendency, like I said, is to read through the book and, and, and think, okay, well, we only know of Adam and Eve, and here's Cain and Abel, and that's all there was. That's most, you know, we believe because of what we just read. There's already... Um, they've been populating 
um, the world before the fall, and then everything changes at that point. Um, so, so there you go. So you can sort of chew on those ideas and uh, go from there. Let's look at Genesis 4, 1 through 26. I'll read it, and then we'll discuss it for a few minutes. Beginning in verse 1. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, With the help of the Lord, I brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering. But on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? The Lord said, What have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened his mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain lay with his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city, and he named it after his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad was the father of Mahujael, and Mahujael was the father of Methusael, and Methusael was the father of Lamech, and Lamech married two women, one named uh, Ada and the other Zillah. Ada gave birth to Jabal, he was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock. His brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of all who play the harp and flute. Zillah also had a son, Tubal-Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Tubal-Cain's sister was Nama. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, Listen to me, wives of Lamech, hear my words. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech seventy-seven times. Adam lay with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. Seth also had a son, and he named him Enosh. At that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. And blessed be the word. Uh, the Lord. So, as we begin through Genesis 4, you know, in verse 2, we find out that um, not everything was going to be provided for Adam and Eve like it was in the Garden of Eden. Um, You know, before the fall, their tasks were um, refreshing and delightful, and now they had to struggle against the elements in order to provide food, to provide clothing, shelter for themselves and their family. Cain um, became a farmer. Abel was a shepherd. And those occupations are still um, widely practiced in the Middle East today. And, uh, and often uh, times they're very similar to the way they were done way back then. They've continued on in that process. So, and then in verse 3, um, again, we're, we're not sure why Cain's gift wasn't acceptable. But, but I, I think it has a lot to do with his attitude. There was something in his attitude. It wasn't given from a heart that desired to give... 
That's not good, guys, because I'm recording, so make that stop. Um, <laughs> I hope that wasn't playing the whole time I was recording. So, uh, so there was something about his gift and, and, uh, that wasn't right. And, and, and so, you know, it, it's kind of a reminder for all of us that, that what we give to God, we're supposed to give from a joyful heart, and uh, we're reminded of that and encouraged about that in the New Testament as well. And um, we're to give God the best that we have, um, our time, talents, possessions, money, all those things. We're to be ready and willing to give those to God from a, from a good place in our hearts. Now, um, when, when God sort of called him on this, um, his response was not good. And, and I think that that's pretty good on all of us. Um, when, when we're sort of, when it's pointed out to us that what we've done is, is not right, um, how do we respond? And, and uh, for some people, it's very hard for them to say they were r- 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 wrong. They can't even get it out. But, but the reality is, all of us are going to miss it sometimes. And, and um, uh, it's much better to uh, deal with it than it is to sort of try and hide it or run away from it or, you know... Um, you know, adamantly fight it, um, because you see the result of that process in, in Cain's life. And, and so, you know, if, if the suggestion is made to you that somehow you're wrong, um, it's, it's okay to take a look at that. You may not be, and that's good too, but you could be. And, and sometimes, you know, when we're wrong, we need to be willing to admit it. And this goes all the way back to Genesis 4. And, and it's okay to admit that you're wrong sometimes. We're all wrong sometimes. It's part of life. But we struggle with that. We also, you know, we, <laughs> I, I tease about this all the time, but even sometimes when we'll say we're, we're, we're kind of wrong, and then, but then we always want to add the but to it, right? But here's why. And, and it's, you, we need to learn to just go, no, I was wrong. Uh, and, and then choke off the next sentence that wants to come out. So, so try and keep the butt out of it. But it's really hard. I mean, if you're, like most people, you want to, even if you admit that you're wrong, you want to justify it almost immediately instead of just being wrong. Okay, I was just wrong. Uh, that's all Cain needed to say, yeah, that, that wasn't right. My heart wasn't right. What can I do? And, and God already tells him, you know, you crouching at your door, you master it. You know, go and do the right thing. That's really all we got to do. What's right? Let's go do that. And, and um, but, but we often get stuck and, and uh, you know it's always we've been talking about this a lot it's always better to try and do this God's way than our way so let's make sure we're looking into that and uh, you know just like Cain sin would like to master us but in Christ it does not need to and uh, we have the Holy Spirit to help us now to overcome those things and to make good decisions in the process um, so then, you know, we get to, um, and, and this is, you know, in verse 8 through 10, now you begin to see the ramifications of Adam and Eve's sin. You know, their sin might have seemed simple enough. Oh, we had a little fruit or whatever it was. Um, and, and, but the, the sinful nature now, let's see how quickly that's spreading. Uh, and it's already moved from um, eating a piece of fruit to murder pretty quick. Uh, and uh, so you can begin to see the act of sin and how that just moves us in a, in a wrong direction and that a small sin has a way of growing out of control uh, anybody here ever have you think you have just a small sin and, and you got it figured out and then 
all of a sudden you realize that you didn't and you don't, and that's all part of the deal. So uh, we need to be aware of that. Um, Cain was severely punished for the murder, um, and, and God wasn't being vengeful. You know, the heart of God is in, in correcting us is always to get us to repent and to change and, and, uh, and fix our relationship with Him. That's always the ultimate heart of God in the process. That expression, sevenfold punishment, um, it means that a person's punishment would be complete. Uh, and, uh, um, and, and so anybody that messed with, with Cain was going to get a far worse punishment than Cain did for his sin. And then, you know, sort of as you head to the end of the book, you, you start to see the mess and, and um, the reality in those last few verses in, in Lamech's family. Um, we see that, that people, when left to themselves, tend to get worse instead of better. And um, we see in, in Lamech's family line the amazing variety of talent and ability that God gives people. Um, but we also see the continuous development of sin as time passes. Um, like it's, there's another killing in those verses. You know, presumably it's in self-defense. But now violence is on the rise. And, and by the end of chapter 4, there's sort of two distinct um, groups that are emerging those who are sort of indifferent already to sin and evil and, and those who worship the Lord, the descendants of Seth. And, and so Seth um, takes the Abel's place as a leader of a line of God's faithful people and we'll see that in the weeks ahead. But that's kind of the, the meat of Genesis 4 and um, you know I hope that you're reading it, encourage you to read it, get ahead and look at Genesis 5 for next week and and uh, you know those those questions that we brought up there. You know, if you if you really wonder about that, do some research on where those people came from and and some of the other ideas that are out there, because um, I think it'll help you grow uh, in, as you continue to press in and on in the Lord. But that's certainly good for us today. If you're watching my video, thank you for doing that. Hope you can join us next time when we're together.